0: Thank you, Marie. Um, I would like to continue where, um, on one of the key topics that Marie mentioned, the importance of co- poor quality diets driving all forms of malnutrition. And as Marie mentioned in Schengen 2, the nutrition transition is really at the core of this. What does this mean? People shift from traditional diets, uh, rich in coarse grains, staple cereals, and pulses, to diets that are high in sugar, fat, and salt. Part of this uh, shift is also an increase in consumption of uh, what are known as ultra-processed foods. And the graph at the bottom of this slide shows, uh, for just a few countries in Asia, how this increase, this increase has happened over just 12 years in countries like China, Thailand, and India. The, con- the sales of these products per, uh, per individuals has actually doubled over this short period. Why do we care about ultra-processed food consumption? Um, because they're not healthy. This article, these results actually just came out yesterday where um, people were in a lab setting uh, for two weeks exposed to these foods. And as you can see in the top panel, uh, energy consumption went up tremendously. And as a consequence, their weight increased just over a very short two-week period. So these, these results are, are quite shocking, actually. Now, what shapes these urban diets, these unhealthy urban diets? As Marie mentioned, uh, we want to look in this research program at determinants at the consumer level, at the household level, going a bit further away from the household, issues related to the food environment, and then that ties in with the larger food system. I will walk you through this um, framework step by step. So let's start with individual and household factors and see how they shape uh, the diets of the urban poor. One key thing different between urban and rural areas is that urban dwellers typically purchase most, if not all, of their foods. And the picture on the right side is a boy, an eight-year-old boy in um, Cape Coast in Ghana, who I met last week on a trip. Um, He gets money every morning to purchase breakfast, his morning snack, and his lunch um, from food vendors. And only dinner is consumed together with the family. And this is quite typical for a lot of the students we talked to last week. So livelihoods often depend. The problem is that livelihoods often depend on unstable employment. Uh, It's well established now that uh, the poor in urban areas have lower access to social safety nets as compared to their rural counterparts. And women tend to be engaged in the workforce with limited access to um, stable and high-quality childcare options. Another issue in uh, urban areas are time constraints and limited access to cooking facilities. People often do not have a place to cook. That drives them to the convenience of processed and ultra processed foods, ready to eat snacks, and street foods. And most of these foods are not healthy, so that increases the risk of overconsumption of energy, added sugar, and salt with with, um, poor health um, consequences. What people consume depends on what's available in the food environment. What's typical about food environments in urban areas, typically, I mean, not everything is negative. Typically, urban uh, dwellers are exposed or have access to a more diverse food supply than individuals in rural areas. But it's not just all positive. They're also exposed to energy-dense and nutrient-poor ultra-processed foods, and the second picture shows you some examples of that. They're also exposed to aggressive marketing of ultra-processed foods. And the picture on the, the bottom right I took last week in, in Kumasi in a school, all the, the classroom numbers were, um, had, were sponsored by this powdered milk, powdered and sweetened milk brand. So it's just one example. And there is obviously, as Marie mentioned, the modernizing food retail sector with accelerated access to supermarkets. The urban food environment is not independent. It's it's ultimately part of the larger food system. You could see the food environment as the interface between the consumer and, and that uh, food system. And what we've seen over the last years is that increases in trade and globalization uh, have changed this urban food system tremendously. Again, just a couple of examples from, from Ghana. The top picture so, shows you a breakfast porridge. Uh, this was in the south of Ghana, but this is made with millet that comes from hundreds of miles away in the north of Ghana. And then uh, the second picture is um, are in um is Indomie, an Indonesian brand produced in Nigeria, which is increasingly popular in, in Ghana. The last picture you know is uh, an American soft drink brand. I was not aware of the divine properties of it, but you know, you always learn something new when you travel. So to address these challenges of the, the poor um, diets of uh, the, the diets of, of uh, poor um, people in urban areas, we, we definitely need better evidence. Um, and this is really what this new research program seeks to do. Uh, we need better evidence on, on diets, what do people eat, uh, and what are the drivers of healthy and unhealthy food choices. And we also want to look at this food environment, how healthy is this food environment, what options are available, and how does that food environment and this availability affect what people decide decide to consume or not consume. Ultimately, uh, it's not just an exercise in generating evidence. The idea is to uh, generate evidence that leads to better policies and programs um, that can improve the diets, the nutrition, and the health of the urban poor. And it's really about this 8-year-old boy, you know, making sure he has access to good, healthy foods and can develop and grow into a productive, healthy adult. Thank you.